Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a mom of three kids, ages two, five, and seven, and I live in Southern California. And I'm Megan. I am the mom of five kids, ages six through 17, and I live in Michigan. This is the Mom Hour, part of the Life Listened Network. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. I want to say happy birthday because I feel like when this show airs, it's going to be really close. Like not on your birthday, but right around there. The day there. before my birthday. I think this will go live. Oh, yeah. So happy, happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. And um, in our characteristic style of coming up with what we're going to talk about like 10 minutes before we start, you came up with a genius idea yeah, for a I think summer was... day when neither one of us is probably thinking all that clearly. Yeah, a light and fun summer podcast topic. I think I might have thought of it on the treadmill, actually. Um, so I'm calling this episode Eight Kids, Toddler to Teen, which is what we always say in all of our, anywhere you read anything about promotional us. Materials. Yes, our promotional materials. Yes, promotional materials. Between us, we have eight kids, toddler to teen. Um, and so today, I literally have a hat with me with folded up pieces of paper in it. And I am going to pull our kids' ages, a number out of a hat. And we're just going to riff and free associate on that age for a few minutes per each of our kids' ages. Now, I think the fun part here is that you've had, say, we pull a seven-year-old. You've had five seven-year-olds. Yeah. I've had, you know, one so far. Um, but I think we're going to try and make it kind of like what we universally love and kind of notice about each of these ages, um, we get a lot of feedback from listeners that you guys, even with little babies and toddlers, you like this peek ahead into older kids and teenagers and what's coming up next. So this kind of gives us a way to give you a picture of a bunch of different, eight different age groups, toddler to teen, and not only what our kids are like who are that age right now, but also just what we generally observe. So I think it'll be fun. Plus, I get to pull things to. out of a hat. I mean, Which is, I mean, that's the whole fun. point of, you've been waiting for that moment, that, that <laughs> moment, this entire time. Um, I have to be very honest and say that I forget stages very quickly. So yes. if I am stymied by, you know, like a violet situation, yes. I, I, I have plenty. To, I have plenty to say about <laughs> three-year-olds. All right. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I kind of I remember think it, it comes back to you more than you, more than yeah, you you're think. you're probably right. We do you're have a six, right. seven, and eight-year-old between us. Yeah, so if true. we struggle to differentiate there, we'll just see how this goes. We're just yeah. basically going to 
chat about our kids for the next 40 minutes and see how it goes. Um, Quickly, though, real quick housekeeping. um, Wanted to point people's attention to the interview shows we've been doing because that was a new thing for us starting this spring. So if you're a regular listener, hopefully you know that we are in your ears once a week, just Megan and I chatting in this format. But then we have started doing one show a month where one of us um, interviews someone, an author, a parenting person, an interesting person we think you should hear from. So we're really just getting that off the ground. By the time this show airs, we should have our third one published, um, which is your interview with um, author Melody Warnick. So yeah, if you haven't caught... Yeah, if you if um, you guys haven't caught any of those shows, um, I would love to hear what people think. And if you guys have ideas for the types of people you'd like to hear us interview, I'd love to know that too. So you can find all those at themomhour.com. They're right in line with the rest of our list of shows. And yeah, if you have ideas, email us. Hello at themomhour.com. Let's do it. do it. Are you going to yeah, reaching into the, the literal you're hat? Reaching into the hat. Wait. Okay. I, you have to describe this hat to me. Okay. What kind of it is, is it? Like a beanie. No, it's a boys' baseball cap that okay. um, says Italia on it, like an Italian. Like uh, I kind of wish I hadn't asked because I was kind of picturing like a top hat. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like I a think magician's I do, top hat. I do have like a, <laughs> one of those, but I wasn't that clever. Okay. That's okay. All right. We'll, first, ima- we'll imagine it's a, and there's a rabbit in there too. Okay. There's pull a it. rabbit. The first one is seven. Oh, seven, which I'll turn it over to you because you have a seven year old and I'll, I'll prompt you with this question, which is Clara is seven, your youngest, but all four of your other seven year olds were boys. So, you know, without getting into full boy girl analysis, um, I'm sure there's just some natural differences you've noticed in this seven year old. So what is seven like for you guys right now? So I will generally I will say like you, the universal seven experience I've had is that it's this weird. I mean, this is going to sound dumb because an age is always a bridge between another age and another right. age, you know. <laughs> but I felt like for my kids, eight was when they truly entered big kid territory, and six they're still kind of solidly little kids, and seven is this really interesting bridge. It's also um, the first age I clearly remember. Like I have very clear memories of being seven, really clear memories um, of being seven. I think everything before seven is kind of like snippets of memories for me, but not like narrative where I remember, you know. Yeah, I would say the same for me. Where, you know, where I sat in school and like what my whole days were like. Like I can remember entire days of being seven Mm -hmm. and I don't have that that experience for younger than that. Um, So I will say Clara is very articulate now. Um, She's just very... She, it's kind of like she's shedding her baby and mm. leaving, you know, she lost, <laughs> she finally lost and got back in all of her front teeth. So now mm-hmm. she looks completely different than she did mm-hmm. at six. And she's like a little more concerned with, um, things like fairness and just things that she, I don't like the big picture stuff that mm-hmm. I don't really think she thought mm-hmm. too much about when she was six and five and four. Um, mm-hmm. she's not thinking about a lot. Um, so that's a little bit interesting. As far as her, as opposed to the boys, I think this is not going to be a big surprise. Anybody yeah. who talks about boy-girl differences, that she's very in, she's very involved in social mm-hmm. um, discussions, like right now, like who's who likes who and who's friends with who, and there's a lot more drama at her age mm-hmm. than I remember with most of the boys. She's just a little more mature, mm-hmm. you know. At their age, at that age, the boys were still running up to each other and like, you know, smacking each other in the head and falling yeah. down and, and running into walls genu- on purpose. Yeah, they yeah. were just being generally really goofy. I remember mm-hmm. this being a very goofy age for the boys. And for Clara, you know, she's kind of like, she's kind of like a mini teenager. She's really kind of self-possessed and mm-hmm. kind of concerned about how she might seem 
to other people, um, which is kind of, I don't know, a little alarming to me. Uh, just a quick story when we were on our trip. Yeah. I don't remember if I told if I in our episode that I shared that there was a day where she got bitten in the face by a Meiji Motel dog. No, you told then... me this. It like you texted <laughs> yes. me this, but you have not talked about it on the podcast. So she got bitten in the face by a Meiji Motel dog. She was fine. There was no wound or anything, but she was freaked out. And then later that same day, she ran like full force into a sliding glass door. Aww. Just dumb accident. She didn't see that it was it had been open and she didn't see it close. And she turned around and just like, I can't believe she didn't end up in the ER. So it was a very bad day for Clara. But... Um, as you know, the first, she, she hit the door, laid herself out and I'm like, oh no, she broke her nose, something, there's going to be blood, there will be blood. And I (laughs) grabbed her and and picked her up and kind of tilted her head back a little bit, expecting blood. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead, you know, she did cry a little bit, but then she was so worried about how she looked. She was like, I'm going to look so stupid. Everyone's going to make fun of me. I'm so embarrassed. And I was just thinking, I remember thinking none of the boys would have been, they would have been crying because they were in pain. They would not even have thought, given a second thought to what anyone else might have thought about their clumsiness or anything. So some of that's just her, you know, she's a little more anxious, but a lot, I I have to think some of that is just that she's thinking about how she looks to the world in a different way than the boys did. And more socially aware. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's culturally, you know, social conditioning or biological, who knows, probably a little bit of both, but yeah, that's seven. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out. (laughs) And their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. I love it. What was your seven? 
Well, I'm going to probably just be super short because I have a six and an eight-year-old, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. I totally agree with what you said about six being still baby, eight being, wow, we have two feet in big kid. Um, so I'll speak to those when we draw those numbers. But I, when I think of seven-year-olds, I think of jacked up teeth because they all, whether you're, <laughs> whether, so you're <laughs> whether you're late to lose teeth, my kids are a little bit on the later side or early, seven is like this perfect age where even the late comers have started to lose some teeth. The early teeth losers have all kinds of weird teeth coming in and so like a first grade classroom second grade too but like a first grade classroom is basically like 30 kids with hilarious smiles that's one of my favorite things about seven Clara right now has one tooth that's one front tooth that's enormous and my kids (laughs) teeth are all huge and the other one is like only half grown in and is growing in really slowly so she's got that look where there's like yeah it does not match up and it's very funny it's awesome it's awesome Yes, it's adorable. So I'm just going to leave it there because we're going to talk about some similar ages. So are you ready for the next number? I am ready. All right. The number is... These are like legitimate scraps of paper. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'll take a picture for the show notes. This number is three. I have a three-year-old, Ooh, so I can start. Oh, three. You know, the whole three-nager thing like, has become like a meme and a hashtag yeah. in the last few years um, because I think it's mostly justified. Um, I always tell moms of toddlers that the first wave of terrible twos is really like 18 to 24 months, which is like a big burst of personality and, you know, some defiance and like verbal explosion. And, um, people are like, oh my gosh, terrible twos are coming early. Well, I think it's usually right. Usually it's right on track at like 18 months and then two almost kind of settles down. And then three, not every three-year-old is a handful, but I think three is really challenging for parents. Um, it's probably challenging to be a three-year-old also. Um, so I guess my three-year-old right now is the youngest. So she is constantly trying to be a big kid and keep up, which is frustrating and hard for her. She's a really fun three-year-old. She's always been a handful actually through all of her ages, which makes it kind of easy. Like I never felt like, oh no, she's a three-nager. It's, she's just, she's just, she's strong-willed, um, which is awesome. But I do think, um, three is really fun for language and, um, being able, I mean, my kids all were pretty early talkers, but you know, for a long time you understand your kid and your kid understands you, but people out in the world barely know your toddler can talk. You could have a full conversation with a two-year-old and they have little sentences and, but the pronunciation isn't there. And three-year-olds, it's really fun to see them start to talk to other people, talk to other kids. I always remember that moment where my kid will have a conversation with another kid and they actually understand each other because for so long, you know, you've been communicating with your little toddler, but it's kind of your own conversation. Um, So it's really fun verbally. I love language development and it's really fun. Um, And I feel like they start to learn to sing and rhyme and kind of play with language. That's really fun. Um, What else about three? Yeah, Viola is my most independent three-year-old for sure because of having the big kids. I mean, she can get herself dressed. She, you know, she's just you like you turn around and she's done something that the bigger kids would never have thought to do. Clear her plate. It could be good or bad, right? <laughs> in a good yeah. way or a bad way. But um, so she that so that's really fun to see her like emulate them and actually want to do big kid things at the same time. She's the baby, yeah. and I'm like, wait, you don't you don't need to always you know brush your own hair. I could do that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I was gonna say the thing when you were saying about three three nagers. I always yes. feel like three is the age when they suddenly look around and go, hey, wait. 
I'm a person too, darn it. Yeah. You know, like, what about me? What about my independence? Like, what about my agenda? It's like they get an agenda yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. I feel like with two-year-olds, you can kind of like, I don't know, you can trick them a little bit yes, easier. Definitely. You can kind of just humor them a little or buy time. And, and yeah. I feel like suddenly at three-year-old, they get a little wise and they, they get, know better. Yes, they get wise. And I will say like in terms of meltdowns and tantrums, it's a very different thing than like an 18-month to two-year-old tantrum um, because they really get like super hung up. I always kind of said three-year-olds are mental patients, which is not a nice way to say it, but they're, they're like, their minds are too big for their logic. So they, they can get a little obsessive, like truly a little. So, and then at the same time, they've like, they've made these leaps in independence. So you look at them be like, why is this such a big deal? Like, and so it is, it is a constant challenge to, I think, remember that they are three and that it is hard to be three. And for all of their now talking and independence and going off to preschool, that they really still need help just like getting through the day sometimes. So I don't know. Yeah. Three yeah. is the other thing I always associate with a three year old, like you were saying, is their little voices and yes. the way they talk. Yes. And I and Violet's a great example of that with the videos you put on Instagram. Yeah. Everyone should follow Powers of Mine on Instagram. But um I love it when I'm, you know, on a walk or at the store and I, you can just pick out a three-year-old the way they talk. It's adorable. They're just, yeah. we they always have this widow yeah. voice and it kind of goes up like yeah. this. And, yeah. and there's always that little lisp and the widow, they can't say yeah. no L's and no O's. It's so funny. It's the L's, the, the, the specific speech things have been different with each of my kids. Um, Allegra had a whole bunch of sounds missing for a long time until she was like four or four and a half, but it was all L's and R's and G's. But Violet has the straight up lisp and it's so cute. Like I honestly yeah. hope it never goes away. It's so cute. When Owen oh. was three, he um, actually had this very deep, strangely <laughs> deep voice, but he also had a, a widow wisp, which <laughs> by the way, he still kind of has a tiny lisp. Like you can just like when he's tired, sometimes right. it kind of oh. comes out a little bit and I just, it, but he would talk like this. And he had a widow wisp. It was just that is awesome. That is awesome. That. Okay, well, yay three. If you have a three year old out there, I'm right there with you. Okay, next piece of paper says sixteen. Oh, I love that we're just skipping right to it. Sixteen. Oh, sixteen. That's me. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Did I? Lose you? Oh my god! For a second, I was actually just sitting here like, uh huh. So who's going to talk about sixteen? <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, I have a 16-year-old. You do. Why does Tell that, us. you know, I also have an 18-year-old, but for some reason, 16 just feels so momentous. You're like, who, me? I don't know. Who, me? <laughs> what? Well, first of all, there's a lot of cultural um, significance given to 16, right? Like, sweet 16. I, I don't know. There's something about 16. Gri- driving. It just all seems mm-hmm. very kind of, it all, it, that seems like the biggest um, milestone age to me that happens in the teens besides maybe 18. And I have to say, I think maybe 16 even felt like a bigger milestone to me than 18, even though 18 mm-hmm. is adulthood. So anyway, yes, I have a 16 year old. Um, gosh, this is a tough one because I've had two and they were both different, very different. Mm, interesting. And how about like independent, like, you know, like kind of being adulty, like in life, does that happen yeah, around 16? Uh, <laughs> you I would I know say, nothing. you know what it was? Here's what I would say. I would say at 16 was then they kind of started to decide what kind of adult type person they were going to be. Interesting. Um, I think that they both kind of made conscious choices at that age to start moving in a certain direction or mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. And I won't say which one went in which direction, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'll just say, like, I think one of my, you know, one of my teens decided at 16, like, it's time to buckle down, time to start taking stuff seriously. And the other one was like, I don't really care about this. 
it's time for me right. to think of something completely different. Right. Um, de- definitely personality starts coming out. Like Isaac this year, I feel like has, and he's a very quiet kid. So it's, he's reserved. It's hard to get to know him, but I feel like this has been a big year for his personality. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. I mean, he just, he seems like he's become his own person. He started playing mm-hmm. the guitar. He's, um, really interested in, in having like conversations about certain musicians and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. all things like, I feel like it just took him to this age to become that, sure of who he is or yeah. that much of himself yeah so yeah I don't know uh, this though. is like oh ahead. this is a dumb question but how yeah. like relative to their like manly size like in terms of height and growing do you feel like there's been a growth spurt is the growth spurt more early like 14 like eighth grade year or are they like what do they look well, like at 16 it's so dumb they look like huge beasts. And- I don't, yeah, Isaac has gotten so tall. They're both wearing like size 10 shoes. The weird thing is they're both way taller than either John or I. So there must be someplace like, yeah. you know, some height gene um, on one side of the family or the other that they both got. And it's been pretty steady. But this year, Isaac just filled out and looks like a real mm-hmm. legitimate young man. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that, you know, 13 to 15 is a little gawky. And the kids, yeah. sometimes that's when you still have like little, like, a 15-year-old boy sometimes still just looks like a little chipmunk, you know? Yeah. And 16, they seem to just be gangly and tall. I mean, I'm t- speaking for my own. They're yeah. kind of an, um, unusual. They are teenagers of unusual size in our family, as our family right. um, goes. But, but yeah, they just look like – they kind of look like the people they're going to be. They don't have yeah. that baby look anymore. Yeah. So, And I remember that being the case for me at 16 as well. That was when I really just kind of looked – I looked basically the same at 25 as I looked at 16. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, same with me. You know, same with me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I think that is one of those that really your miles will vary a lot because yeah. so much, there's so much behind them by that point. Yes. That's led them to where they are, you know? Yeah. So, but, but in general, I think 16 is when they just kind of become, they just become like, yeah. you know, we call them man cubs. Yeah. Oh. You know, at that age. I had so. two of them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, All right. I know. Re- I'm reaching in. All right. This time I won't be surprised if it's one of mine. No, it's not one of mine. (laughs) No, you have had five six-year-olds. You're done. Um, done. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've had two six. I have a six-year-old right now. Reed is, he just turned six. So he's a young six. Um, I am going to echo what you said earlier about six kind of being the tail end of some of those baby years and that seven being a transition. Um, I think six is kindergarten to me. I mean, whether, wherever your fault, your kid falls in the age breakdown. Um, but I don't know, they just still seem really little. I think, um, gosh, I'm having trouble with this one. I think five seems to be a big spurt of, um, intelligence and independence. And so six is maybe just like continuing to develop those things. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything on six? No, I, I totally agree that six is, is still, they're still little. They're still when you little. You go into a kindergarten classroom; those are babies. They're babies. You know, they're they babies. still. I've had six-year-olds who still have potty accidents once in a while, mm-hmm. like not, you know, not every day. Um, six-year-olds cry when they, you know, break something or drop something or are disappointed, and I think those are pretty normal. There's, I mean, if you think yeah. about kids starting school and all of a sudden being lumped into these elementary ages they almost maybe go back to being a baby again because they're yeah. if, if they're in a traditional school they're now around everybody older than them. So I totally yeah. agree. As I mean those of you listening who have a 1 and a 3 year old 6 seems huge, but I think with our perspective um and especially with what we've said about 7 and 8 or we'll say about 8, 6 they seem they seem little. Kindergartners are babies. 
you know, the, the danger, I think, and I'll go on a little bit of a soapbox vent yes. here, um, is that personally and also on a maybe policy or society level, we expect a lot of six-year-olds. It's not yeah. really fair. Yeah. Um, you know, I've really seen that. And I know people will talk about how academic kindergarten has become, has become almost like a cliche to talk about that. Yeah. But it, it's, I find it, you know, around here they um, did away with half day kindergarten. And there's a lot of reasons for that, that I understand. Logistically, it made no sense to have half day. Yeah. More and more parents work. Where were the kids going to go? Um, right. They needed, you know, there, there's the requirement that you have a certain number of education hours anyway. It's like, I see, and they were worried that kids weren't going to come into first grade prepared. Um, but I think at that age, it's a lot to expect that adding more hours means they're learning more. It's right. just, there's something is, is lost, I think, for that age now. And yeah. I mean, it's again, it's the cliche to talk about kindergarten being about naps and playing with those enormous blocks. Yeah. Remember those enormous blocks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, when we were kids, like snack time and stuff. But it's it's true to me. Like, I do yeah, have a real... I I have a real nostalgia for that kind of slow introduction mm -hmm. that I don't think kids get anymore. And then I think it trickles down because now they have so much expectation of them at school. Yeah. We forget that they're still yeah. babies. They're still yes. little. Um, yes. They're bridging the gap between preschool and, and real school. So And there, there's some skills. I mean, reading is such a wide – I mean, you have kids reading at three and kids reading at eight. Yeah. But because of what you're saying, there's a lot of focus on reading or pre-reading at six. And that is like super hard work for anyone's brain. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I almost feel like there's a lot expected of six. And when you zoom out and realize how much they're dealing with, they are still need to give them a cut six a break. Yeah, I think it's okay to baby your six-year-old. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Believe me, it's not going to, they're not going to get it anywhere else. No. And especially <laughs> you know. with what we've seen in the couple years that follow, I feel like whatever your six-year-old is doing that feels, you know, whether they're wetting the bed or having tantrums yeah. or, you know, it, like seven and eight is like such a huge move out of those phases that yes. it just won't last. Oh, that's yep. interesting. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to 18. I do not oh. have an 18-year-old. This is you. <laughs> Isn't this funny how this is going back and forth? Yeah. It's almost like you're... No, I'm not. This. I'm not rigging it. I'm going... <laughs> this whole episode is rigged. It's rigged. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. But, okay. 18. God. Well, I've only had one, you know, I've only done one 18-year-old. Yes. So, <sighs> that's... Uh, and he's my most unusual child. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I'll give you. I'm going to tell you a quick. Please throw me a lot. Like lob me a softball question. Well, I'm just going to tell you something about when I turned 18, since I don't have an 18 right. year old child. Is I had a pretty significant, I would say, regression in maturity around the time I turned 18. Now mm, that's partially because I was a super responsible kid and teenager, and for some reason got to like second semester senior year and just felt like I you know, deserved to cut loose a little bit. And I rebelled a little bit more. It's still me. I mean, I'm, we're still talking in Sarah terms, but I, um, definitely, I also kind of messed up some friendships and did some things that weren't very nice, which I had always just had really solid friendships and not had a lot of girl drama. So without going into details, hmm. I will say that I, for whatever reason, I like kind of progressed in a traditional, like upward trajectory maturity wise. And then I like, fell apart a little bit like second semester senior year and I yeah I hurt some feelings I yeah oh. rebelled well, a little bit well that's interesting so, I don't know my so experience is is really different from Jacob's in that he he turned 18 the second the third month of his senior year and right. I that's definitely true he he academically really kind of fell off the face of the earth this year um some of it was because he felt like well now I'm 18 I can do whatever I want 
but like the maturity hadn't caught up <laughs> with mm. the age yet. Um, and I don't know, maybe some of it's regressing. Maybe some of it was realizing he's coming up on the end of something mm-hmm. and trying to cling a little bit or whatever. So I have high hopes for 19 for him. For me, I was I graduated high school at 16, so I didn't even turn. Wow, 18. I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot that until, you're young and you skipped a year. I was like a like I so I waited a year before I went to college. So between right. high school and, and college, I worked and just kind of did life, I guess. And then by the time I went to college, it was like a month after I turned 18. And I feel like I was I didn't really do great in college, but I feel like it was that first time around. Um, but I was pretty settled. I don't know. Like I feel like personally I was fairly settled like I just yeah kind of knew you know some I don't know not like I knew what I was doing exactly that's not true I was still fairly immature but um I don't know I I, I see a big difference I, I knew how to do stuff that's I guess what I'm getting at because yeah. I'd been out of school I mean I, yes I'd been living at home but I'd been working and like getting myself to work and like dealing with my own schedule and not having other people's schedules right. imposed on me for a whole year by that point so do you um, see any, yeah. like we were talking about culturally, what kindergarten looks like now, do you see in your, because you're around more parents of teenagers now, do you see like some of the things we hear about on the news, like kids are either being coddled all the way through high school or, yeah. I mean, do you have any like I think it's general both. observations? I, yeah. You know what it is? I think there's huge expectations on them right. that they were not on us, but at the right. same time, they're coddled in other ways. So, so interesting. Like they're not yeah. really expected to um, pay for their own car insurance or whatever right. often. I mean, they're not really expected to have that, those kind of life skills, but they're expected to be able to, you know, create a college resume and ACE tests and, right. and I volunteer was in that play and, yeah. and volunteer and do all that stuff. So I was in a, on the play that I was in, in the fall, there was a bunch of teenagers in it and, um, there were some stressed out kids, man. Like, and they were, they're kicking butt at school. Yeah. But I'm a little worried, like what's going to yeah. happen when it's just regular life and it's not, yeah. you're not getting your, um, you know, your, your value or your worth or whatever isn't determined by the grade you get right. or the test score you get because yeah. now no one that that's all over. Actually, Jacob's graduation, um, you know, his good buddy of his gave the you know opening speech for the class president. And he talked a lot about how now life is about um, deciding for yourself because yeah. he was just saying like, we've been told what to do now for so long. And everyone said, this is exactly what you have to do. And if you do all those things, you'll succeed. And now right. we have no idea. I just thought right. that was interesting. I don't remember yeah. feeling that way. I yeah. feel like at our age, you know, only 20 years ago or however long, 22 for me, um, I just feel like there was a little more room to, oh no, I guess I was 18, 20 years ago. Ha! Um, there was just a little more room to figure it out or something yeah. or for there to be all different kinds of ways of doing it. Yeah. So, but that could be yeah. partly just my interpretation. Yeah. Um, it's also voting age and you, did you turn 18 in a presidential election year? I think you did. Cause I'm mid, I'm two years younger than you. Right. So that, 90s, that would have been, let's 90... just out our ages. 96, you would have turned 18. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was uh, Dole, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Clinton Dole. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Clinton I don't remember. Term. Yeah. I don't remember getting really into my dad was very into politics and I probably okay. just voted. Rejected it. Voted. <laughs> no, I, I was, Oh, did no, the same. I, I was not an authority rejector at that point in my life. I was like an authority. Um, isn't that weird? Doesn't yeah. seem like me, does it? But I was not rebellious in that way. So I would have done whatever he did. I just remember being kind of excited about the concept of voting, but I didn't, because of where the presidential elections fell, I didn't vote for president for at least a couple of years. Yeah, two years, I right. guess. 2000, yeah. so. Interesting. Okay, I'm going back into the hat. Now we have three. I do. Well, I, have to, I have to interrupt really quick and say yeah. that we're awesome. The year that it was Clinton Dole, those were there was some great SNL 
which now I want to Oh, really? Look up. We should go back and watch. Yeah. That, there was, that was a good year um, politically for yeah. campaign humor. I do recall <laughs> that. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, it's interesting because this is not rigged that the three ages we have left are 8, 10, and 12, which are like right oh. in the middle and yeah. vastly different, I think, probably. Um, so let's see which comes up. Oh, I picked two. They were stuck together. Okay, 10. 10. Owen is 10, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Owen is 10. Um, gosh, 10. 10, I feel like, is the last vestiges. I never know if I pronounce that word right. Is that right? That's vestiges? how I say it in my head. Yeah. It's the last vestiges of little kid. Yeah. I'm losing him. You know, like I'm losing the little, little, little guy. Yeah. Uh, which makes me very sad. He's going into fifth grade next year. Okay. Or this year. I guess he's going into fifth grade in like a month and a half. Um, He's still very sweet. He wants to snuggle. And I remember this being the case with all the kids so far. Um, still wants to come up and give me a hug. Sometimes still asks if he can sleep in my bedroom, stuff like that. Yeah. But, but it's like, we both know that's coming to an end and yeah. he'll even say, you know, like, I don't know how much longer I'll want to do this kind of thing, mom, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it's like, he's very self-aware. Yeah. Um, just, he's a real sweetheart. I know at 10, some kids start to become real challenging. I, I yeah. do know that that can become a thing. It's almost like it's that pre-adolescence and sometimes yes. eight, nine, 10, Pre-adolescence is worse than real adolescence. Uh, Interesting. But it, I think that I, this is where it starts to really vary. I kind of feel like you can look at a three-year-old and go, yeah, that's a three-year-old. Right. There's just things that carry through. Even though they're all different, there's things that carry mm. through. But by the time they get to like 10, their personality has come out sure. and formed. And it makes them so different from kid right. to kid. So I know, right. you know, 10-year-olds who act like little teenagers. And I know 10-year-olds right. who are still very babyish. Yeah. I think sometimes... the boys tend to be a little more babyish and yeah and and love their moms a little more maybe right. but that's I a generalization across america bp supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like building grid scale solar energy in ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in texas it's and not or See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I remember fifth grade being very social, like with my oh, yeah. friends and boys and girls hanging out together. Nothing crazy, but just the beginning of that. Um, yeah. And I don't know how much things have changed, but I think I was pretty drama free in the earlier elementary school years. I don't think I had Clara's sensitivity, but fifth grade, I feel like was girl groups of girls and all that kind of stuff. So maybe now it's yeah. all, it all, now it all starts in preschool. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. I remember that too though. Tween, yeah. tween, preteen for sure. You know, the other thing I really remember about 10 that I think maybe is probably more pronounced for girls um, is there became a very dr like dramatically marked difference between 
girls who were developing and girls who weren't Mm -hmm. and girls who were just more adult in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And that being really uncomfortable for me because I, well, I was kind of clueless about it, I guess, to some degree, I was one of the little ones that Mm -hmm. didn't develop and nothing. I was, you know, basically my 10 year old self looked like my eight year old self. Um, and I became really aware of other girls kind of moving beyond me and being into boys Mm -hmm. and and makeup Mm -hmm. and um, music. And mm-hmm. I just was like, wanted to play with dolls. It was really yeah. uncomfortable. I remember desperately wanting to hang on to being a kid at that mm-hmm. age and knowing it was kind of over. <laughs> so yeah. depressing. This is and so. And you start I, to like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this gives me so much kind of empathy for all the ages, yeah. you know, which I think I is kind of a good, a good thing to remember kind yeah. of what it was like for us and be like, oh man, like they're more than just sassy little you yes. know, people, short people living in my house. Like, that's a lot to deal with. I also really gravitated toward younger kids at that age because I think I still wanted to play a lot and did not gravitate to- toward older kids at all, really. Um, and I was young for my grade, so I just did basically only had, like, one friend in my class and right. mostly played with kids from other grades. But I will also say that I remember at that age kind of – sometimes you, this was the age where you'd start to, like, go to a sleepover or over to a friend's house and you didn't play. Mm-hmm. You watched TV or you – sat around and I remember but, feeling like, well, now what, what am I going to do when I don't yeah. play anymore? Like what, what is this going to be so boring? <laughs> and it was uncomfortable for at that age because I, that was to me very boring. Like sitting yeah. around talking was boring. Um, yeah. just watching TV was boring. I wanted to be doing stuff and playing yeah. outside and, and that was really uncomfortable for me too. So I have a lot so, of empathy for that whole age. Yeah. So interesting. Oh, when will Owen be 11? He'll be 11 in December. Okay, so he's still solidly 10. Yeah. Yeah, so still right in the middle there. All right, I'm going in. Going in. 12. This is also you. 12. Sorry, you have more kids right. than me. 12. That's, that's okay. It couldn't have kept going either or the whole – well, I guess it could have, <laughs> but um, only if you'd rigged it perfectly, and apparently yeah. you made a mistake someplace along the way. So <laughs> 12. All right, so 12 is a middle schooler. Uh, yeah. William will be going into seventh grade. And he's kind of on the other end because he'll turn 13 in uh, October. So I would just say for William specifically, it's been a great year. He was in sixth grade, which I know is a big jump, but at least in our school district, and I think a lot of places that do middle school rather than junior high, um, do a good job of kind of easing the sixth grade, the sixth graders in. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he was very much eased in, like he's learning how to, he struggled a little bit with school. The expectations were different, like moving from class to class. Yeah. Um, He's this kind of kid who always delivers exactly what's asked of him, but not, you know, not a drop more. He's like, if you ask me to do this, this is what I'll do. Right. So it's great because he always does what you ask, but he doesn't really innovate Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, take one above and beyond above and beyond. I mean, and he's the most reliable kid, you know, that's partly his personality. He's like the most reliable kid we have, but also like, he's also just the most predictable one. Like we know exactly what to expect. So I have to say this year was great. I mean, he struggled a little bit because, because of that, like not knowing six individual teachers and what they might actually be asking him when they seem to be asking for something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. maybe actually if he tried a little harder, he'd do better. Right. Right. Those grades were pretty average, but I tend to give middle school grades a big, like I don't put a lot of emphasis on them because yeah. I mean, they're not going to follow through. It's more about learning how to be a student. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. At that age. Um, he is really calm. He's still a kid, but like this was the year. So he's got his cousin, Jack is 11. 
Um, his cousin Quinn is 10 and then Owen is 10. Right. And then they have another cousin who's around the same age too. And there used to be, who's a girl, so they don't see her as, and she doesn't live here, so they don't see her as often. Um, but that used to be like they were a pack of kids like running mm-hmm. together. And now I will say this year was the year William broke off. Yeah. From the pack. He will still play with them, but he doesn't want to stay over. He doesn't want to have the impromptu sleepovers anymore. Yeah. You know, like Owen and Jack could be together all week and never. Right. And, and never split up. It would be fine. But Williams wants to do his own stuff with older kids. Um, he has developed like intense friendships with people. It's particularly one kid that they're just like inseparable. And I remember that at being 12. I remember that as well being the case mm-hmm. for me. Like mm-hmm. having that one friend that you were just, you know, yeah. could yeah. not be separated. Um, I don't know. You know, I used to say like kind of off the cuff, like I didn't like middle schoolers. And I don't think that's actually true. I think I didn't like being a middle schooler. Yeah. So when I think about middle schoolers, I remember what I thought other kids were like <laughs> Yeah. at that age. But um, I actually, he's, I really like him. He's just at this age, he's just easygoing, hasn't really gotten an attitude yet. But again, I think that really varies. Not yeah. every 12 year old's like that. So yeah. I don't know. What are your memories of being 12? My, um, one thing that stands out, so we didn't go to junior high till seventh grade. So um, I was 12 by the time I started seventh grade. Um, I One thing that just popped into my head is I think that's when I got really into dance, to ballet. I mean, I had, I had taken it since I was a kid and then did soccer a little bit and piano. I think I quit piano probably around age 10 or 11. Um, so I remember kind of having that extracurricular thing that was mine, which was probably yeah. a really good good thing for me. Not every kid has that. And I don't think you need that. You, there's definitely value to dabbling. Um, but I didn't dabble. I, by 12, I was probably dancing four days a week and my studio wasn't uber competitive or nothing like now you hear about what's expected of kids, but still it was probably like a philosophical commitment to me in my head that this is what I do. Like after school, I do my homework and I go to dance. Um, and so that I feel like really locked in and was probably a really good thing in junior high because I didn't have as much time to just socialize. Um, I do, I also think that age was a big um, separation between kids whose parents would let them do things and kids whose parents wouldn't. I mean, which is a, a preview of the of all the years to come. But I feel like 12 is when that seemed really apparent, maybe just because I was at a bigger junior high. But um, I remember a thing was to go to the high school football game with groups of friends. But, but we weren't high schoolers. We were in junior high. And, you know, things like that that, like, you either were or weren't allowed to do. And I don't even remember specifically. But I do feel like more people – broke the rules or talked about breaking the rules. So just kind of an induction into all of that. Yeah. Well, and I kind of feel like at that age is the age where more kids would actually break rules. Like I remember, you know, kids who didn't do what their parents told them in my circle when I was like eight, nine, 10, those were like bad kids. Right. You know, everyone every now and then would be disobedient. Right. But you didn't want to be that kid. And then then you kind of get to that 12 and it's like, well, you start to weigh the consequence, like the risk reward, right. <laughs> you right. know, right. I could get away with this or what would happen if I got caught. Yeah. I, I remember that starting to be the case there as well. So one thing I think we can't um, underestimate that's just popped into my head, you know, talking about all these different ages uh, is social media and how big of a oh, yeah. large of a presence that is. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that, that up because age yeah. range. Um, Elephant in the room. Yeah. And you know, the thing is like, I will say my older kids, I don't know if this is just because they're strange or because it's not a thing for boys their age, or maybe they're, maybe they're just like on the cusp of that age where it became really important. I don't know. It could be just that they're strange, but William is 
you know, he wants to be an Instagram star. Like he doesn't just want to have, he wants, he's really concerned with followers. Like he's, uh-huh. they, they make videos, but it's not just about making the video for fun. It's about who's going to like it, who's going to yeah. see it. Um, and I, I think that's becoming more and more of a thing. I'm seeing it trickle down. Like Clara yeah. wanted to make a YouTube channel, but she was obsessed with like who would comment and who would like it. And she didn't want to do anything that was weird that people wouldn't like. And I mean, it was kind of sad because I remember spending so much time um, making up little plays and taking pictures and um, yeah. and recording. Remember like having the yes. tape recorder oh, yeah. and just recording yourself talk. And that's kind of basically what kids are doing on YouTube now. The difference is totally. now they expect to have a fan base. Yeah. And there's some so there's something a little off about that. I haven't and, personally oh, oh go ahead. Yeah. I haven't no, personally just experienced the, like any the bullying commentary or any is right of that, there. But, like the feedback yeah. is right there, good and bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had any problems in our house. You know, Jake and Isaac just text and they'll they'll yeah. have their phones, they'll lose their phones for days at a time. They're very not attached to that stuff, yeah. which I've been grateful for. Um and William so far is the kind of kid he's just very easygoing. Like no he hasn't really run into any problems. It's not like he's yeah. starting drama or anything like that. Right. But I could see it at some point becoming a thing. And yeah, I'm not prepared for that because I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking that way. I'm not really in that world enough. Yeah. We've talked about Snapchat, I think. I I mean, I got on it for a day and like could not figure it out. No. Like my brain just couldn't handle it. I haven't even tried. So, yeah, you know, by the time we even talk, Snapchat's going to be dead in a month because all the moms got on. Right, so exactly. all the kids are going to moms the and the marketers, go else. the brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Moms and the marketers, so all the kids are going to go someplace else. And I will say, I mean, not that the show is not about giving advice, um, but I do think sometimes there's almost like a misguided idea that if we just know the, the technology, if we just right. know the programs and watch those and monitor those, then we've got it in the bag. And I think there that's, that's maybe like a detail. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't understand those programs and know what's going on in them, but the, you also got to know your kid and you yes. got to your kid has to know that have some sense of, you know, right and wrong and also yeah. know that they can talk to you if, yes. if if stuff is getting scary or weird. There just has to be those boundaries or like, because whatever is not okay on Snapchat also is not okay on Facebook is also not okay on Twitter. It's also yeah. not okay. And on also Instagram. probably not okay you know? in life in terms of like, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Criticizing yeah. others, bullying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's more like the basic I don't want to use the word morality. That's very heavy. But just like the basic understanding of how you treat people kind of is cross-platform. And also what to do if you are not being treated well should be the same cross-platform. So I don't, I don't know. I know this is controversial. I don't really get super caught up in knowing the platform du jour and having like software to, you know, help me monitor it. And I don't watch tutorials and how to be a parent whose kids use social media. I mean, I'm just... I don't know. It's, I'm not hands off. In some ways, it makes me hands off. In other ways, I think I just come from a different. Yeah, I maybe a more big picture. Come at it a big picture. Exactly. There's a um, you know, the writer Galit Breen. Galit Breen. I don't know if I'm saying her first name right. Um, I I, she's written a bunch of essays. I think you probably know her work, but I, she has a book called Kindness Wins about online behavior with kids okay. um, and learning, teaching kids to be kind online. It's sort of on my like read this before it's too late. Um, but I, I, I don't, I have not read the book, but I, it, I think it also comes from a much more sort of like foundational place too. Right. And not just the like technical side of how to police it and, you right. know, stay monitor. So, um, yeah, I don't absolutely. know if that's on my list. Well, we've talked about it before, like, and you know, again, not to go on too long about this, but we've talked before about how kids will find a way to do stuff that's right. 
against your house rules. And the best we can do is just hope that the people they are Mm -hmm. under your roof is the people they are under other roofs, even if the house rules are different. Right. So, yeah. Yep. Oh, so I guess there's not much of a, not much fanfare. It's the last one, right? No. Yeah. This is the last one. I'm about to pull out the last one is eight. Eight is my oldest. So Allegra's eight, almost eight and a half. I guess she's right in the middle of eight. Um, and eight, I think you said it right at the beginning. So we unintentionally came full circle when you talked about seven, but eight is for sure to me, big kid territory. Um, Mm Everything from looks, like just looking, no more like baby face, long legs and like full mouth of teeth. You know, they've still got teeth to lose, but once those front ones look like an adult, um, really like starting to be really, uh, well, Allegra's always liked adults and sort of liked to talk to adults and um, more at ease around adults even than peers, but really now like very natural at talking to adults, talking about different topics, um, just a maturity level. I noticed for sure her wanting to play with, she's always been happy to play with younger kids, her siblings, and she still likes that. She likes to like play school with them or whatever, but the needing like peer, especially now we're recording this in summer, like needing peer interaction and looking up to older kids and kind of wanting that more vibrant social life and be around kids her own age. Um, this is probably more of just a her thing, but she was such a cautious, um, toddler and preschooler physically cautious that she was pretty late to ride a bike and late to, um, you know, be really monkey bars and just be really physical. I would say a big leap. We didn't talk about five-year-olds cause none of us have one right now, but five was another big maturity leap for her, especially with those physical gross motor tasks. But eight is another one. Like she, she's like on rollerblades. She can, she's swimming this year and, um, she's like, can swim for 45 minutes straight and not Mm. be complaining or just so she's physically stronger and, you know, more, I think active in that way. And that is again, probably like a maturity thing catching up because she wasn't the most, you know, athletic. She's going to try softball this fall. So she's never done a team sport and, um, She's seen Reed do Little League the last two years, and um, I think she'll actually really like softball. She follows the game of baseball because we're baseball fans, so she understands the game, and she's um, she's tall and she's big for her age, but because she wasn't very – because she was more cautious, she was never particularly athletic until now. So now it's going to be kind of fun to see her come into that like physical sense and play on a team, and I don't know. I'm, I'm liking eight for the most part. I do feel like – there's a window ahead into like I can do things completely by myself and not only can I do them by myself, but I don't even agree with you. You know, she's been a a very easygoing and pleasant kid. So even when I say that it's like little glimpses, but definitely, you know, and this is another total small detail, but I've always loved doing my girl's hair because I love to braid and do ponytails. And I loved to do that when I was a kid, I would braid my friend's hair. Well, she does not, I, she does not want me doing her hair. She doesn't want me to brush it. She doesn't want me to. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's gone. She's got this great hair. I can, you know, I'd love to braid it. And like, okay, I, that's probably never gone let me do her pretty hair, much so forever. Been, I know yeah. some kids and yeah, Violet doesn't really ever want me to. So I'm out of luck. If anyone's daughter so needs their hair braided, down. I volunteer. <laughs> you know, I want to address the thing you said about like the motor skills and the athleticism and stuff. I think sometimes we have this idea. I remember getting really frustrated with all of my kids because none of them really learned how to ride a bike till they were eight. And then I started to realize all of them were learning how at eight and learning really well. 
So I think sometimes when I look back at my childhood, I'm a little off on the timing because mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, I had a bike. I was riding my bike at, you know, seven, eight, six. Mm-hmm. That's actually not true. My parents gave me a bike that was too big for me that they got at a garage sale. I remember this <laughs> when I was six, but I couldn't actually ride it until I was eight. And I taught myself how to ride it when I was eight. So it's kind of like sometimes I think we look back yeah, or we look to the kids who are more naturally athletic and then that's yeah. where the bar gets set or we, mis- yeah. we misremember yeah. our own childhoods. Um, so eight was a big year for riding bikes. Eight has been a big year for reading for all of my kids. Yeah. Eight was like when they started to read for fun. They started reading yes. more interesting, longer books. Yes. Um, and that was true for me. Even though I was, I was reading at three, I didn't really get into reading until I was yeah. eight. Yep. So, um, I don't know, across the board. And I also agree with what you said about her. You've seen those glimmers of her like wanting to have her own opinion about stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like eight or maybe nine is kind of like the, uh, the next three where yeah. they're like, Hey, yes. I yeah. want to have some agency here. Yeah. I want to yeah. have some say in how this goes. So yeah. totally. I mean, they're all generalizations cause every kid does do their own thing at their own age, but you know, well, I think, I mean, it yeah, true. it is all generalizations, but I think this was fun if only for the purpose of like spotlighting eight different years and just yeah yeah. it's made me feel for the kids a little bit like a good reminder that it's you know it's kind of hard to be a kid sometimes at every age it is yeah and there's a lot of there's a lot going on and there's a lot of adults with their own um baggage or ideas about what an age should look like so yep yep I guess yeah maybe good maybe if we had to wrap it up with a piece of advice it would be Try to remember back accurately because <laughs> yeah, I yes. know that's something difficult for me to do. You know, like I, I tend to assume sometimes like I was doing this and, you know, it's that whole yeah. I was walking uphill through snow two miles yes, both ways or whatever. Both ways. And it just like yeah. when your kid is potty training and you think they are literally never going to get this. And then six months later, you're like, that was not a big deal. Like, and it's kind of the same at every age. So whatever you're going through that feels like a developmental stage out of, you know, where, you know, yeah. it's. It will be something else next time, but it's amazing how they can mature in six months and, you know, let go of anxieties or fears or attitude problems and kind of move into the next phase. It's what they're, they're hardwired to do that. So a lot of times I think we can just get out of the way, honestly. (laughs) Love that. And I also will say that I remember hearing from people, you know, several different moms, um, at some point when my kids were like half grown, like I was halfway in between new and where I am now, um, that she noticed the kids becoming more challenging in the second half of whatever year they were in. And I really thought about it and that's not always true, but that's held true a lot of the time. It's almost like they can tell they're coming up at a different stage. So yeah, just another thing to keep in mind. I don't know for your, just pay attention for a little while and see if that holds true for you. Interesting. All right. Well, we will wrap up and, um, check out the momhour.com for, I don't even know, a picture of the hat. Go to themomhour.com where I will post a picture of Maybe the hat. Maybe you can round up some pictures of our kids and put them in there, but you've probably yes. already used them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go there anyway, people. Sign up, subscribe if you haven't. Sign up to get emails from us if you haven't. And we will talk to everybody next week. See ya. Hey everyone, it's Sarah here again, and I'm here with my daughter Allegra, who is eight. Hi Allegra. Hi mom. So we thought it would be kind of fun if we did the hat trick that Megan and I just did, but did it with Allegra. And so I'm going to pull these ages out of a hat, and Allegra's going to tell you from an eight-year-old perspective what she thinks about these ages. You ready? Yes. Okay. The first one is ten. 
What do you think about 10-year-olds? I think that when I'm 10, I would like to get a pet bunny. I think it would be really nice because I'd get to go to a higher grade level. Cool. All right, next one. 12. Um, I don't really know what 12 would be like, but I hope that I have a lot more responsibilities. Okay, good. 16. What happens at 16, do you think? I think that when I'm 16, it would be very exciting when I pass my driving test. Yeah, that's pretty fun. You think you'll get a car? Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> okay, seven. Do you remember being seven? Yes, I do remember being seven. And it was very fun because my brother was five, and it was fun to see what he could do. That's nice. Do you remember when you got to meet Clara last summer? Clara's seven now. Yes, I remember Clara. She's seven now. Okay, three. What do you know about three? Three can be a very hard age because my sister is three and she cries a lot. Not that much, though. She's getting better. Eighteen. What happens at eighteen? When I'm eighteen, I will become a grown-up. And then what happens? And I, maybe I can get a job. All right, let's do it. And last one, no, two more. Eight. I am eight, and it's very fun. I think you're awesome at eight. I told everyone who listens to the podcast that you're awesome at eight. And what about six? Six is a hard age, I think, because... You have a lot more responsibilities than you did when you were five. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Well, thanks, Allegra, for being on the show. You're welcome, Mom. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the mom hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.